Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us and welcome to today's discussion about how to better harness the power of data to make your business more successful and your work life a little bit easier. My name is Ben Feller. It's nice to be with you. I'm a communication advisor based in New York City and a former White House correspondent for the Associated Press, and I'm honored to be your moderator for today's discussion. Uh, thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, I want to get right into the concept of data. Uh, some of us love it. Some of us really think of it as, as a four-letter word, but it doesn't have to be that kind of four-letter word. Um, what if we could take all the data that unites and drives and influences our lives and informs the way that we work and truly make it work for us? Um, what, would that lean, what would that mean? What would that look like? That would mean um, integration platforms and, and data streams that work as we want them to. That would mean automating processes so that our strategic thinkers are really able to have the time to think and focus strategically. Uh, it would mean identifying not just the pitfalls, but the, but the opportunities to be gained uh, from true data integration and transformation. Uh, it would mean knowing which of your systems really, uh, if aligned well, could allow for growth. Um, and it could be seamlessly thinking of data integration as everybody's job and something that would work to everybody's benefit, not just a certain department's job, not just siloed thinking. Um, that kind of better world of true data integration uh, is not just futuristic, it exists now, uh, but it takes asking the right questions, trusting the right partners and finding those partners. Um, and of course, having the will and the forethought and the budget to be able to execute. Um, when you put all that together, it can be a lot to figure out, um, but we can make a really sizable step in solving that problem today. Um, and fortunately for all of us, we have two great speakers who are going to help us do that. Um, in just a little bit, I'm going to be introducing Patricia Brad Bradby, uh, one of the dynamic leaders uh, at Boomi. And I'd like to take uh, this moment just to thank Boomi for sponsoring today's event. Uh, for those who don't know yet, uh, Boomi has a clear, ambitious, and truly needed mission, and that is to connect everyone to everything with its cloud-native, open, intelligent, and secure platform. Boomi helps customers and partners quickly and easily accelerate the business outcomes as a company that is truly powering our data economy. So let me introduce our first speaker, Jeffrey Schaubschlager. Jeffrey is an expert on digital transformation, which in this case encompasses a lot. It encompasses product leadership, uh, innovation, and business strategy. Uh, he has two companion roles right now. He is a a principal at Three Points Digital, which frames its approach around customer value, business benefit, and technology opportunity. Uh, he is also a founder of Commerson, a product management consultancy, and trusted leader in the field of product management. Um, overall, he has been a leading digital product voice for more than 25 years, helping devise winning strategies for companies small and large. Um, he also has what we really need today is a perspective on the trends in data and technology management um, and just as importantly, he knows where this conversation is headed. So with that lead in and that hype, we count on you, Jeffrey. Welcome to the conversation. Nice to see you. Uh, nice to see you. Thanks, Ben. So I, I welcome your opinion here at the very start to set the scene for us, please. Um, when it comes to data integration and, and data transformation, what's the biggest challenge of all the challenges that you see out there right now? I think that the biggest challenge when it comes to digital transformation and businesses embracing it is that um, the competition is getting fierce with digitally native companies. And if your company 
is not a digitally native. And what I mean by that is companies that are more, more recent in their development, even just like an Uber or even like an Amazon, for example, um, companies that were built to be digital have a leg up on companies that didn't start there. And so the biggest challenge is um, trying to take your environment, your legacy systems, your integrations, but trying to be as nimble, dynamic, make intelligent business decisions based on your data, and also just operationally be able to compete with your competition, which is now digitally native and, and it has a platform that allows and platforms that already interact and make it difficult uh, for you to keep up with that. That's the biggest challenge right now. So that that could be daunting for folks who want to know how to how to attack that in a smart way. Um, the places that are doing that well, um, the smart workflow, the harnessing the power of digital, the prioritization. What what are they doing well? What is it about their mindset or their philosophy that our audience can say, "All right, um, this is the, this is a blueprint we can follow"? Because otherwise, um, it might seem it might seem overwhelming. Yeah, and I can give you an example. Um, so a number of years ago, uh, I was brought into Best Buy because Best Buy was losing the battle on electronics to Amazon. Um, people would come into a Best Buy store, learn about a TV, look at TVs, ask questions, and then go home and order it off of Amazon, right? And so Best Buy was like, well, how do we how do we compete? And, and, you know, Best Buy was a ground up retailer that grew as a big box in, in store, get, getting you in the store, feet on the ground retailer, but now they're trying to compete in this other world. And so um, for me, like when I was brought in, um, trying to revamp all of Best Buy overnight wasn't going to happen, mm -hmm. right? But what we had to do was take bites of the apple not eat the whole apple. And um, by working with their digital group to say, okay, how do we get out of the predictability business? How do we get out of predictions, right? Let, let's, let's expose our data, expose our capabilities, expose our commerce capabilities, and let others to piggyback on them. And that's how Amazon did things. And so we started more with just kind of our, the product data for the company, and then we built a commerce API that allowed other companies. So I'll give you an example. If you had a mom and pop mobile phone shop out in the middle of Arkansas or Maine or pick a state, you could actually build your own website and behind the scenes leverage the Best Buy APIs to sell mobile phones, to activate plans, et cetera, which you couldn't as a mom and pop shop really do on your own. But now you could do that because we opened up that accessibility. So. My recommendation is typically about, it's a, about transparency to your data. So build things in a way that you can, you can have managed access to it and also your capabilities through APIs to be able to manage and allow people to do it and let other people figure out what they're gonna do with it. And so that ended up being a, you know, a multi-billion dollar business for Best Buy because now we're doing loyalty programs for using your chase points, you're buying a TV, but you're really buying it from Best Buy or uh, your sky miles, you're really using uh, Best Buy as the engine to fulfill um, those, those items. And that was something that wasn't even on the radar 
but it presented we are able to open up access to what Best Buy did well. Well, there, and there's a couple of points I want to sort of underline in what you said. The first is that if you have this enormous challenge to take on in terms of transformation to stay up competitively, start, right? Start with something. Don't, don't, you don't have to take it all on and begin the integration that's going to help you and your customers. But secondly, um, you, you indicated something there about you don't have to understand all of the different case studies, how this might be used, right, in order for it to be successful. Let some other people who are, are going to be your customers figure that out. Can you elaborate on, on that, that point and why that's important for people to hear? I think it's I think it's important to understand because um, you know I think a lot of different businesses can piggyback on what you do because they have their own business but they can leverage what you're doing. So I'll give you an example. So another company I consulted for is a multi-billion-dollar printing company, and they grew through acquisitions and they had numerous different print companies that would print everything from identity to um, promotional stuff to in-store signage and all these companies did different things, but they didn't communicate. So they got no cross sell, etc. And so, you know, I recommended and I helped them build out an initial like marketplace that would sit over all of these companies so they could access all of this. And it becomes a new business because that cross sell across these companies was now empowered via that. So that was something where they didn't have to change all their backends. They didn't have to integrate all these companies. We just stepped outside and said, okay, let's, let's have some sort of orchestration capability to go between these companies and then, and then be able to have a recommendation engine that is intelligent mm -hmm. enough to get you as a procurement person for T-Mobile or something. Right. And we're already selling you in-store signage, but guess what? We do promotional, we do, you know, like Yeti cups too. And we do, and maybe you want T-Mobile Yeti cups to give to people, mm -hmm. or maybe you need business cards to give to people, right? We didn't have to go change the whole company or all these companies. We were just able to do something outside of it and then build that orchestration, which is what a lot of the API platforms um, do these days is it's kind of like, I give the example of like a wedding planner, for example, like APIs can be a wedding planner. So if I'm getting married, I can go to a wedding planner and say, Hey, I've got a, this budget. I'm getting married on this date. I'm going to have this many people. You know, we want these menu options, et cetera. That wedding planner is going to go talk to the event spaces. They're going to go talk to, you don't even need to know the sausage making. Right. They're going to go get bids. They're going to go do all the work there. And then they're going to come back to you and say, okay, here you go. Here's your options. Right. That's how APIs work. And so within a business, if you're able to have that kind of flexibility, anyone out there that can leverage you, like like if you had some mom and pop, let's do print shop that didn't do promo items, now they could. They could go to this marketplace, they could or they use the APIs to build their own front end to do that, and they can enhance their own business on it, but they're still building your business. You just can't predict, like the market knows more than any of us do. So right. you got to give people the opportunity to build their own business and do their own thing, leveraging what you can do. So embedded in the first part of that answer was this idea that, that in different parts of the company may not be speaking to each other. And I'm wondering, you know, um, why are businesses or some businesses still so inclined to think in terms of siloed operations between sales and marketing and innovation when customers don't think that way? 
customers come at it from one holistic experience and they expect the back offices to work together. So um, I, I guess my, my, my bigger point here is like, what's in it for them, the companies to think differently and to overtly try to um, get out of silo mode? Well, part of digital transformation isn't just, I think a lot of people think it's like throw tech at it or throw APIs at it, right? And and that's a part of it, but it's it's a like real digital transformation starts with your business strategy. Um, I had a financial services client that I worked with and, and usually like I try to look at where you dig, digitally, what's your maturity? Um, in the first place I look is where's your data and Nine times out of ten, it's siloed in different areas that, and it's not accessible, um, and it makes it really difficult from a for a business to scale to evolve. You have a lot of tribal knowledge in people's heads, and it's just how businesses grow. I mean, if you even look at how businesses incentivize people, it's based on your department and what you do, or how do they budget things, right? It's based on your department, and you're going to build some application that works in your department, but there could be data there that could be rich for the rest of your company for multiple reasons. Like one example is I've consulted at a medical device manufacturer and they had um, R&D labs that they would set up, right? And in these labs, they would need a laser cutter, they would need acid baths, they would need all this stuff to put in these labs. So they wanted to build an application that would help them set up a lab, do it so that they could test different ways to make it, they were making stents. Um, but they had multiple of these labs, you know, across the world. You might think, okay, they focus on that lab and they want to know how to set it up and they want to get the right equipment in there. But if I'm asset planning for that company, I want to know what are all my labs? How do I project what labs are going to use what? How do I look at the utilization of all the different labs? So maybe I don't use the lab in California. Maybe I've got one in New York, I could use to do this stuff because the utilization's low. I know I'm gonna, I can, I can forecast costs of equipment in the future, but you need that data to be able to see what labs have what, how are they being used, and what are they going to do with in the future. But if, but if that data is not accessible and it's just, I just know my lab and my equipment that's going to be here and when I'm going to get something new. Yeah, it helps you and it helps you in your lab and you're incentivized to do that because, okay, you set up your lab, right? Great. But as far as if you look at holistically, that's where companies are missing out is you have to look at the data holistically as to who are the customers of your data internally in addition to externally. And when you develop new systems and when you develop new platforms, you need to think of the data side of it first instead of it just being operational. It needs to be thought of as what, like, who could use this data or how can we organize it and put it in a place where it's accessible to multiple people? Cause maybe I don't, maybe I, I don't, I don't know about the asset management people and why they would care about this. I never thought about it cause it's not my space, but when they come in they say, Hey, I got this data and they can now figure out how to access it and get it and do something mm -hmm. with it. So that's where I talk about getting out of the predictability business. Right. You don't know who in your company might be able to look at that and say, Hey, we could save a lot of money if we plan this better or we don't have to buy this additional equipment because i know what the utilization is going to be so that would be an example of that so you know that last part about money is i i know that the incentive for uh, a lot of organizations and companies is cost savings so a two-parter in here just as a baseline question when we think about uh digital um transformation is that a fair premise that if done right 
this will save money if you know i know that's not the only thing we want to focus on but is that is that a right and accurate premise and can you elaborate on on generally speaking how so sure um so one part of this is there's I think when you're thinking about digital transformation, for some companies, not all, it's table stakes. I mean, it's do you still want to be in business? Because I, I feel like with Best Buy, for example, they didn't make some significant changes as far as how they did business and how they allowed it, accessibility. They might not be around anymore. Um, but beyond that, I think that you know I've worked with a lot of CFOs, and if you're going to get investment to do digital transformation, you can say we're gonna increase market share, revenues, et cetera, all you want, but you're gonna be able to get your funding approved and your hat, you're gonna be able to hang your hat on cost savings. Like, because cost savings are something that can actually be tracked. They can be, um, uh, KPIs, KPIs can be managed to them. They're not pie in the sky, they're not, you know, uh, uh, fingers crossed. It's like, so where are their efficiencies? Like, where is their efficiencies and processes? Where are there ways to eliminate tribal knowledge in the company to automate certain things within your company? Um, are there ways to reduce cycle time and manufacturing because we're able to put things together more quickly? We're able to do our R&D faster. Um, so there, there's an opportunity to save costs. I used the example earlier of utilization. So if you have access to data um, and you're a manufacturer or um, a hospital or whatever, understanding your utilization across your enterprise and how to dynamically adjust to use what you already have versus um, being inefficient in that, um, those are all costs to your business. So um, there's definitely the element of huge cost savings, but usually I try to tie, when I talked earlier about bits of the apple, I try to take one thing that's like the, the biggest business value that you can see and keep it simple. And then let's start with some sort of platform application that makes this one thing um, much easier to do. Then you gain credibility and now you start piggybacking on that in your company to start doing other things. So, you know, I, the, the other part about this is that, <clears throat> do you think that in the focus on money, um, that you know, that's at its essence the right motivation, but an incomplete one? Like, should should businesses also be thinking broadly about the the revenue they can make? Right, the the opportunity cost lost here with digital transformation that might not be the easiest sell in the first instance, but perhaps one that that should be part of the argument. What do you think? They definitely should be thinking about it. Um, it's trickier to get funded for that, but you definitely should think about it. I mean, um, with Best Buy, they were in a desperate situation, but we were able to prove ourselves when other like when I use the example, the loyalty companies were now. Um, leveraging our APIs to sell a bunch of stuff, all of a sudden they say, oh, there's credibility here, right? So um, part of it is if you're looking externally, how do you build credibility, the most credibility for the least amount of cost? Um, the printing company example I use, we just took a couple of their print companies and used that marketplace interface or to 
just work between two of them and just show, okay, now this person's buying from over here too, when they're only a customer here, right? So that's something where you definitely should look externally, but you want to prove out the model. You want to be able to do something a little smaller, dirtier, quicker to show it. And then you can start layering on and, and building out. And it's nice to have platforms now that are, you know, when I started at, at Best Buy, you know, there was no Boomi or API kind of platform. It's like everything was from scratch. We had to build everything from scratch back then. And what's so different and so nice now is there, there are these robust, um, scalable enterprise platforms that, that can take 90% of the work off of you for doing this kind of stuff and helping you scale and helping you expand your business. So your time is spent on doing what is proprietary to you and what is important to your business versus trying to do stuff that maybe is not your core competency. So great. That's really helpful. And this is a good time, I think, in terms of the opportunity cost and the opportunity uh, that we all should be thinking about to, to bring into the conversation, uh, Patricia. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and welcome Patricia on the stage while you stay on, Jeffrey. Uh, Patricia Bradby is a solutions architect and production solutions at Boomi. As a problem solver in my life, I've always wanted to be a solutions architect and I've never had that title. So uh, <laughs> I say that with some pride and jealousy. Um, and again, Boomi is the platform uh, for today's digital era, one that instantly connects people to what they want. Patricia has a passion for connection and community, which fits perfectly with the mission of Boomi and, of course, with the conversation that we're having today. Uh, with connection being the through line of her career, she has accumulated a series of successful experiences of helping people uh, engage on the issues that matter to them. Uh, she does that specifically at Boomi by connecting processes, services, applications, and data uh, through its cloud-based integration platform. Uh, she is also an ideator and a community builder, and like all of us, She's a learner. Fortunately, she's also a teacher, as we're all about to learn from her. So welcome to the conversation, Patricia. Thank you, Ben. Um, let me give you a chance here uh, to, to describe Boomi's distinctiveness in your own terms. Uh, what's the value proposition of the company in this deeply competitive space? And, you know, as, as you sum it up uh, to your audiences. So you mentioned when you introed me that Boomi is cloud native, and that's definitely something that our customers are looking for. But I also like to let people know that we are low code, and so we can get you up and running pretty quickly. We have over 100 connectors that you drag and drop onto a canvas to set up your integrations. And, and so you don't need to be a code expert to use our platform. Um, and I'll also say that one of the things that I think Boomi should be known better for is our ability to not just integrate your data, but also help you think about your data more holistically. So our company actually started in EDI management. So helping companies really connect to their trading partner network and manage those partnerships more efficiently. And then we grew into integration, which is what we've really been like come to known for, right? So not just point to point, but we are endpoint agnostic, meaning that we can connect you to anything. So we have branded connectors for the things that people are looking for most often, like a Salesforce or a Workday or a NetSuite, um, but we can connect to any application and, and do custom connectors. Um, and then in addition to that, we also have our products like Master Data Hub. So if you're looking to really think about what is your trusted source of truth for the data that is being pushed out into all your applications. Um, so thinking about sort of like a hub and spoke um, 
solution, if you will. So having mm -hmm. one place that you have as like a source of truth that sort of brings in information from the places that you designate and then pushes out that information to all the other places so that you have synchronized data across your organization. Um, we also have a product called Flow that helps you surface the information that is running in the background, right? So a, a lot of people at companies want access to that information, but maybe they don't work in the integrations. And so you can, on another low-code platform, sort of develop these mobile applications that allow you to surface dashboards and surface information. Um, one of the ways that we we do that is we also have like a, a product called EDI Dashboard. So it pairs together the EDI management with the flow so that you can actually see what is usually a machine-to-machine sort of transaction, a really operational use case into a business use case. So surfacing that data so that you can sort of optimize your business operations. Um, so yeah, there's lots of things that Boomi is doing beyond just point-to-point -point integration. We're really helping companies think holistically. We also do API management, which Jeffrey spoke about earlier, really thinking about how do you govern your data and who has access to that data. And we also have a product called Data Catalog and Prep. We call it DCP. And that is really about understanding what data you have at your fingertips. So if enterprise companies have 60% or more of their data that goes untapped, that they don't utilize. And so DCP is a product that we have that can help you assess what data do you have that you are not utilizing and how can we prepare that so that you can use that to make decisions in your company and to use um, to have better, more efficient processes for your business. I'm going to ask a, a question here and, and then, uh, Jeffrey, if you could, um, you know, chime on to this conversation as well. Um, you know, Patricia, a lot of times companies that come have a very specific problem that keeps them up at night and they turn to a solutions company to fix that problem, such as such as Boomi. But if they're if they stay in the cycle, they could be missing the opportunity to be really holistic, right, and integrated in their problem solving. Um, so how does Booby navigate that? Like the need to help companies with the issue today, right? That's top of mind, but then to, to guide them perhaps to take a more strategic approach, not, not to sell them on all your capabilities, but to help guide them. So, um, why don't you? Absolutely. And this goes back to something Jeffrey was saying earlier about really being data first and thinking about what are the problems that you're trying to solve? What are the pain points for your company? Where does that data come from? Um, and how clean is that data? And so, and how fast does that data move also, right? So like how fast can you problem solve? Can you be proactive in your problem solving instead of reactive in your problem solving? And we actually helped a customer um, called RHD Tires. They're out of Michigan. They are 90% of the wholesale distribution market for tires in the state of Michigan. So they are supplying um, to the major car companies they're supplying to Ford and GM and Chrysler dealerships across the state. And so when they came to us, they were working with this proprietary DOS based point of sale system and they wanted to get a new warehouse up and running. And that's a process that would have taken them like six to nine months with the, the system they already had. It was everything needed to be custom integrations and custom builds to sort of mold that system into what they needed. And so with one of our partners, they were able to adopt NetSuite as their ERP system and we helped them set up integrations. And now they are adding on new warehouses within five days. And so that is a major turnaround for them to be able to, to get these 
new distribution warehouses up and running. But in the process of doing that, that was the original business problem they came to us with. We also were able to help them look at their data for where they could have more business efficiencies. And so they were able to um, look at their logistics and their procurement so that they could consolidate their delivery routes for their trucks by 10%. Um, they were also able to cut their vehicle expenses by $150,000. They were able to cut their labor expenses by $175,000. There were all these sort of ripple effects on the business by being able to harness their data more efficiently besides just getting those data warehouses like up and running. Um, so I don't know, Jeffrey, if you have anything to, to add to that. Yeah, I mean, it's all about, you know, when you have these siloed systems, something that can sit outside of it and orchestrate between them, which is, you know, how you accelerate this process where you don't have to reinvent everything, rebuild everything to start with. You want to take more of a modular approach. So by being able to decouple yourself from these applications and orchestrate between, you know, solving a, a problem by orchestrating between a couple, start to build credibility, and then you can keep layering on, and then you can start decommissioning some of these old systems once you start building out the new capabilities. So it's kind of like creating a shell around these applications and then orchestrating and then moving on. So you can do it that in a way that's pretty seamless, whether it's backend systems and the people using those or your customer, but being able to, to have that decoupling and being able to manage within that orchestrate, that that's the path that I've seen companies have to take. So. You know, Patricia, you, you said in an earlier chat that um, companies that are thriving are ones that are often intentional about how they use and harness their data. And, and I just was curious if you could elaborate on what you mean by that. A lot of people would think that that's intuitive, right? That there's an intentionality about how people think about data. But we heard Jeffrey talk earlier about, you know, what, nine out of 10 cases that you you investigate where data is untapped or harnessed or people don't even sort of know the potential of it. Um, so what does that mean when companies are intentional about it? What's the distinction that we should be thinking of? I think it's really going back to, are you aware of the data that you have access to, right? Like lots of companies are collecting data all the time with, with the intention maybe to utilize it, right? But in the process, they're also collecting additional data that's just sitting, which could also create risk for their company, right? If you have data that is sitting, that's not being utilized, that's not being thought about. Um, and so it's really about having big conversations about what is it that we are collecting from customers or vendors or our employees, our own employees, right? Like where does this data sit? How are we securing that data? Who has access to that data? Um, it's more than just thinking about how do I take this specific data to do this one business process, but thinking holistically about across your company, how much data do you have stored in your systems that aren't just about specific processes that you collected that data for? So then that gets into my other question here about, you know, trusting partners to help with this, right? To, add, to even know about that and to ask the right questions. Is, is there... Um, uh, an assurance that you'd like to offer our audience about, you know, that there are partners out there, such as, of course, Boomi, that that um, can help with these things. How much data do you have? What you know, what's available to you? How to harness it, even if it's it's sensitive data? 
um, th that might be something that uh, would give folks within an organization pause because it's not just a task, right? It's understanding here's all of our proprietary data. How can we better harness it? What kind of insurance uh, do you think companies uh, can get from, from a company like Boomi? So I will say like, we're not holding anyone's data. That's the first thing I want to say. Right. So like we're helping move data, but that data is not visible to us. Right. So mm -hmm. we have metadata, but we don't have the data from that company and we are moving 68 billion integrations annually that we are running through our company. So we also have the capability to hold that volume, right? And to move large amounts of data. I will say the assurance sort of comes in. There's a, a bunch of different ways to implement if you do want to act on your data, right? So you can come to us and we have professional services. So if you want our help in helping get your integrations up and running or to get your processes up and running, we have um, the capability to do that. We also have a program called Jumpstart where our professional services organization helps train people in your company to set these things up so that they are set up for success without needing our professional services ongoing. We also have tons of partners that we work with that can do the same thing that also can come alongside you and maybe have specific, um, what is the word I'm for, specific experience in the particular integrations or the particular processes or the particular problems that you're trying to solve. We love to work with our partners to help implement those things. And we also like to harness community. So I love community. You said that in my intro. I'm mm -hmm. all about sort of like crowdsourcing knowledge and sharing knowledge. And so we have what we call the Boomi community, which has 100,000 community members that can go on and sort of pose questions and learn from each other's experiences. And our employees are in there answering questions. We also have a learning management system that you can go in and you can train yourself on how to use Boomi for free. Mm. Um, you can do that now as a trial without even being a customer. You can learn how um, our products sort of work, sort of get those intro lessons under your belt. Um, and that will help you connect without even needing us to do it for you, right? We're very self-service. So like between the learning management system and also our Boomi community, you are able to sort of skill up on your own, um, which is what I had to do when I started at this company. I had not used Boomi before. And so using these different places, both the learning management system and also our community to learn how to navigate and use and sort of optimize our products. Well, I'm really glad we got into that because that really is a whole range for people to find a way in and build their own trust and learning, uh, but also that enormous community of that network where I'm sure people find um, not just solutions, but but camaraderie, right? And like-minded people to have these conversations. Um, Absolutely. We host user groups as well. So if you are in a particular industry and you would like to hear from other customers that are in that industry and the things that they're tackling and how they're doing that with our products, we like to hold user groups to sort of bring customers together that have aligned interests um, and similar pain points. Okay. Great to know. Um, job this is exactly to be thinking about these things within a company. Um, you know, is it is it fair to, to sort of put a lot of these questions on the harnessing of data and transformation of data and digital operations on the on the IT folks, on the digital folks? And, and assuming, you know, assuming the answer to that is no, it's not fair. Right. There ought to be more of a holistic conversation happening. How have you found that folks in finance and sales and innovation kind of get into this conversation? How should they be thinking about it in a way that appeals to them? everyone should be a part of the conversation, right? So everyone on this call, the three of us included, when we're doing our day jobs, we're 
also tapping into data, we're tapping into knowledge to get our jobs done and to make decisions. And so what is it that we need to make decisions in our own jobs? Where does that data come from? Like, can we trust the source of that data? How often does it need to be updated, right? Like it's affecting all of us in the way that we're doing our jobs. Um, so it's definitely not just on IT. IT, they're not mind readers, right? <laughs> they can't um, predict what the problems are or guess what the problems are that you have. And so being able to very clearly communicate, like what are the business outcomes that you're trying to achieve in your role, whatever that may be, and how do you get to those outcomes? Like how do you use the data within your company to make the decisions to get there? Um, and so it's definitely a collaborative effort on everyone's part. It's definitely not just IT. Great. And I'm sure somebody in IT somewhere said, thank you for saying I'm not a mind reader because I think they've been in that situation before. Um, well, well, let me give you both a chance to, to end on, on this last point. Um, and, and Jeffrey, we'll go with you first. And then Patricia, I'd love to get your perspective too. Um, you know, we talk so often about the challenges and the, and the problems to solve in terms of, uh, digital transformation, but I think a lot of this should be viewed as something truly exciting, right? We've never had this, the number of solutions, the number of uh, people who understand this world and can help others with this world. Um, I'm curious, Jeffrey, what excites you about, you know, the near future uh, of data management in terms of how it could make businesses more successful, how it can make our lives easier? When you look around the bend, what gets you excited? I think that being able to, you know, with the advances in AI, uh, and machine learning, you can actually create new business models from your data. And mm. um, things you might, you know, you might be doing things now as a business and not realizing, oh, but we could, if we looked at this differently because of how we do our data, how we have our data accessible, um, be able to create new business models out of it. And I think that's super exciting. You could be a manufacturer, for example, and you build a certain kind of thing, but you could, if you had the correct, um, had good APIs and accessibility that you could manage, you could also be a white label to manufacture these things for other companies, for example. That's a new business model other than just going and selling your own, let other people sell your services for you, mm -hmm. examples. You're starting to see businesses um be able to evolve their business models from brick and mortar and i'm not even talking just retail i'm talking manufacturing i'm talking financial services they're be they are able to grow their models because they are creating this managed accessibility and transparency into their data and their um, digital capabilities so I, that's exciting to see how that is growing and evolving excellent indeed indeed um yeah. Go ahead, please. piggyback off what Jeffrey was saying, um, we actually have a customer that did just that. So candy.com came to us and they at the time were really focused on distributing candy like that was their business. Right. And so they in the summers, they were responsible for 50 percent of the chocolate that was being shipped across the United States because they had this proprietary cold chain logistics technology that they were utilizing. And so when they came to Boomi, it was really about EDI management and thinking about their vendors and their suppliers. Um, and so in working with them, we were able to help them streamline their systems to the point where they could start thinking bigger about how to grow their business. And they created a parent company called Green Rabbit. And now, aside from just being shippers of chocolate, 
Um, they also are getting into dairy and produce and breads and other things that are heat sensitive and really mm. thinking about how do we take this business to the next step. So they're still sort of in that that packaged food category, but they've gone beyond just candy into all these other verticals and really grown their business in an interesting way. Um, and so I agree with Jeffrey that that's super exciting. And if I might just add to that, um, I was listening in on a, a webinar not too long ago and somebody from the luxury retail business was talking about how they're thinking about metaverse and the future of retail and what it means to shop and where people will be shopping. And that to me was a very exciting thing to think about from a data management standpoint, because now you have customers who are not just going into physical shops and not just clicking and shopping online, but they are creating these avatars and they are physically shopping in a digital space. And so how do you think about your customer holistically, not just as a regular shopper in your store, but also a person who shops online and now a person who shops in your store physically online? So how do you replicate that expectation from your customer on what it is that they believe they will receive from your brand when they enter this new metaverse way of shopping, right? And so if you can really look at all of your data collectively, what's physically happening in your stores and what's happening online and how are people sort of navigating their way through your products and what are their cadences of shopping? Like you can really tailor that customer experience, not just in one place, but in both places simultaneously. Um, and to me, that's really exciting to think about. Well, I asked you two to look to the future and you certainly did it there. Um, I, that's a great example. And actually, both of you, I appreciate your use of real life examples. Um, that also reminds me of how my son likes to think about his diet. He starts with candy and then expands elsewhere if he has to. Right? So <laughs> um, uh, I want to I want to just say uh, thanks to both of you for, for your insights and perspectives here. Um, there is a lot to look forward to. And um, with the help of uh, experts like you and certainly the solutions offered by Boomi, uh, we're in a great place uh, to go there. So uh, with that, unless uh, either of you have any any last points you want to make, you think we covered it? Uh, Patricia, Jeff, uh, anything else? Great, great. Um, thank you for the time of the